Cognation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Let me just briefly say, before we get rolling today, how much I appreciate all of your kind words to me over the course of the last couple of days. And I feel like I'm really behind in terms of responding to tweets. You know, I got a great collection of birthday tweets to begin the week, and then uh, the thing happened with my grandmother, and I got a lot of nice condolences on that. And I really feel like I haven't been able to respond to anybody, and I apologize for that. But I wanted to kind of collectively say right now, just how much I appreciate your kind words. Yesterday was my grandmother's funeral. And I tell you, I was blown away by this. Um, you know, I kind of grew up way out in the country, at least what I think of as way out in the country. And uh, so that's where my grandmother's funeral kind of was yesterday. And uh, Jeff Sintel was there. BJ Swinney, our uh, boss leader here at Dog Nation, he was there. And I just couldn't believe they drove from obviously here in the Atlanta area where we all are way out to uh, <laughs> to the country where I grew up. But, man, it was a, it was a really really amazing gesture i was very appreciative of that and really even even now whether it be on twitter or in our comment section so many of you sharing so many nice words with me i just really really appreciate that i am truly truly grateful for that so i wanted to start the show by saying that uh, today i thought we uh, honored her life yesterday really well and i was really proud to kind of just sort of see the stories being told of what my grandmother meant to me and so many other people including the others there in my family so with that said we'll kind of shift gears and sort of get to the uh, topic at hand here for today and if you don't mind i want to start by what might come across as just a little bit maybe immodest at the risk of sounding a little immodest let me tell you what i think the best thing about me is here's what i believe the best thing about me is i feel like i'm really good at understanding other people's point of view i feel like i'm good at that because listen i'm an opinionated guy and you know i like to sit over sit here and shout into the microphone and you know I mean, you know, you so you sort of fall in love with your own opinion. And obviously among Georgia fans, we are very passionate about various topics, you know, things that kind of pop up with the team. Our love for Georgia football makes us very passionate about uh whatever topic might, you know, come up. And so that creates these sometimes intense debates. And sometimes it's kind of annoying because it's like you're sort of just you know, it can almost become a little too much. But on the other side of it, the intensity of the debate is sort of based in the intensity of feeling we have about the subject matter, which is the people that mostly watch or listen to the show or certainly me, you know, kind of uh, hosting this show. We just really, really love Georgia football. So this kind of gets back to the thing that I said before, which is I sort of feel like I'm good at understanding other people's point of view, because in a Georgia football argument, I clearly know what I think and I clearly know what I believe is right. Sometimes other people think something different. And I would say that even though I don't share their belief, I don't share their opinion, I at least sort of understand where they're coming from. And I would say this is also true in the topic at hand right now, which is the fact, as you know, Todd Munkin has moved on to the NFL. He's been hired by the Baltimore Ravens. And immediately, Kirby Smart has stepped in to announce his replacement, Mike Bobo, former Georgia offensive coordinator, close friend of Smart, working this, uh, what, last uh, year as an analyst at Georgia, now back and, uh, you know, now, now in place as the Georgia offensive coordinator once again. Now, I don't mind telling you, I think this is a good hire. Given the other potential names that may have been in consideration here, I haven't seen any person that I thought realistically might want the job that I think is a better fit for Georgia than what Mike Bobo might be. That's just my opinion. 
other people have a completely different opinion. Now, I don't believe that every argument against Bobo is necessarily rational. I don't mind telling you that either. But in terms of the overall kind of prevailing theme of the what I'll call just for the sake of conversation, the anti-Bobo crowd, I at least sort of get to where you're coming from at least a little bit. And I'll say it this way. When Todd Munkin was hired at Georgia to begin the 2020 season, I really don't know that many people who said this is definitely going to be a great hire because Munkin, like anybody else who's been coaching for a long time, you kind of have a little bit of a checkered resume. It's like, oh, well, this year in Tampa in 2018, that looks really good. But this situation in Cleveland after that sort of seems a little bit weird. Head coach at Southern Miss, was that a good thing or not? Uh, time at Oklahoma State, that really seems to be good. It's like you have this sort of like spotty resume. You're trying to figure out exactly what that means. So, so I don't know that anybody necessarily knew that Todd Munkin would be a great hire for Georgia. But I would say, as well as I can remember back during that time, it was mostly celebrated as a good hire for one reason, is it represented the introduction of an outside voice into the Georgia program. And at the time, you know, kind of coming off what, you know, had been going on at Georgia, I think there was some belief that, hey, maybe some sort of fresh offensive ideas from outside the current sphere of influence, maybe that might be a, a good thing. And, and Todd Munkin, by appearances, definitely represented that. So even though people didn't necessarily know for sure if Munkin would be a good hire, I would say it was mostly treated as a positive development for Georgia because, it represented to some Kirby Smart's willingness to evolve a little bit based on what he had been. So that was the story then. We all know how well the Mike, I should say, the, the, the Todd Munkin era worked at Georgia. It was a smashing success, a key contributor in the last two national championships here for UGA. Now he's gone. He's moving on to the NFL. That's the league he would just rather be in. It's just obvious that Munkin sees himself as an NFL guy. We'll hear kind of more on why that might be later on. But Munkin just sort of sees himself as an NFL guy. He has moved on. Now his replacement to a lot of people feels like the exact opposite of what Munkin felt like when he came here. This feels like you're hiring a coach from within the club. Mike Bobo is a good friend of Kirby Smart. He's sort of old Georgia. He's been here for quite some time. And for as much as Munkin was sort of celebrated as fresh new ideas, concepts from some foreign land now brought to Georgia, Mike Bobo does not feel like any of that at all. And for some people, that brings up a uh, sort of a degree of, well, this doesn't feel as good for me as the last hire felt, and I sort of get where you're coming from. That I don't agree with you, but I feel like I do a pretty good job of sort of understanding why you feel the way that you do. So here is what I want to try to do. Now, I'm probably biting off more than I can chew here, but here is what I want to try to do. I want to try to sort of act as peacemaker between the pro-Bobo folks, the folks who think Kirby Smart ought to get to hire the guy that he wants to, and the kind of anti-Bobo folks, the folks who say, I'm not quite so sure this was great the first time around. I'm not really quite so sure I want to see the second iteration of Mike Bobo as Georgia offensive coordinator. I want to try to bring both these factions together here. I'll probably fail at this, but I'm going to try my best here right now. And my way of doing this is to establish some common ground on what we can all agree upon. In other words, Obviously, at a place like Georgia, you have to succeed. That 
it's not enough for Kirby Smart just to get to hire one of his friends just because he's won the last two years. Because at a place like Georgia and the SEC and the current sort of cutthroat landscape of college football, obviously you got to keep winning. You know, it, it's been nice to win, but you got to keep winning. And Kirby Smart's wired in such a way that he wants to keep winning. Even even uh, if he didn't want to, you'd still have to. But Kirby Smart wants to. So it's not enough to say, "Hey, Georgia's won the last two national championships. Now you can kick back and you bring in all your friends and you just sort of have a, have a good time." That's not acceptable to anybody. Not Smart himself either. So. So you've got to succeed. You've got to, uh, you know, the obligation to succeed still exists with Mike Bobo. So the question kind of comes down to, well, how do we define success for Mike Bobo? And that's the common ground I want to find here that sort of brings the Bobo skeptic in line with kind of the uh, Bobo apologist, I guess, if you want to call him that. Maybe people would say I'm a Bobo apologist. But let's sort of see if we can find some common ground on defining what success would be as a way of kind of bringing both these sides together. Now, let me tell you what I don't think is fair. I don't think it's fair to say, well, Mike Bobo will be judged as a success if Georgia wins a third straight national championship. Let me tell you why I don't think that's fair. Y'all, when was the last time anybody won three straight national championships? Whatever, whatever, we, we might all disagree about what the modern era of college football is, where that line gets drawn of this is the beginning of the modern era. But we can all say this, that wherever we define modern era of college football, the last three-peat took place prior to the modern era of college football. So it is not fair to hang on Mike Boba to say, hey, your success depends on whether or not Georgia wins another national championship because uh, no one has won three straight national championships. And listen, Georgia's the favorite. I believe they have a very good chance of going for three in 23 and all that, whatever. But the odds are still greater they won't win it next year than they will, and it's important to keep that in mind. You can't judge Bobo alone on whether Georgia wins a national championship. It's also unfair, I would say, to judge Bobo on having a bad game at some point in time because even Todd Munkin occasionally had – poor offensive performances but that didn't stop him and most of our minds from being an outstanding offensive coordinator take the uh, beginning of the season against Clemson in 2021 Georgia won a game that day in which the dogs not score an offensive touchdown that is true that's not good enough offensively but it's also kind of the outlier in what overall was an outstanding tenure for Munkin at Georgia where they essentially averaged you know pretty close to 40 points in each of the last two years they actually exceeded 40 points this past uh season so the occasional outlier game didn't change the way that folks felt about Todd Munkin nor do I think it should change the way that folks feel about Mike Bobo I just think that's kind of the fair way to establish that debate so let's get into then what ought to matter let's get into then what ought to be the true measuring stick for Georgia how you will determine if Mike Bobo is successful as an offensive coordinator if he is successful in taking the baton from Todd Munkin from where he had this offense this past season as a way of doing that I want to go back in time just briefly Kirby Smart last spring was being interviewed I believe this is on WJOX sports radio station in Birmingham uh, it was prior to that sort of celebrity golf tournament that Smart does each and every year and Kirby Smart was asked about his offensive I guess uh, outlook for this what was at that time the upcoming year in 2022 and smart kind of defended his offense a little bit in this question because I do think that a lot of folks in 2021 didn't realize how good this offense actually really was but he also used the word that I think defined Georgia offensively under Todd Munkin and something that we can all agree whether you be Bobo skeptic Bobo apologist that we can all agree ought to define Bobo in his tenure as offensive coordinator this is smart from last summer well, we want to be explosive. 
explosive than we were last year. You know, people people have this miss. Everybody talks about the defense; it got overshadowed that we were top ten in explosive passes, um, a lot better than a lot of a lot of teams in the country at throwing the ball down the field. Uh, we did that with very effective because we were able to run the ball. So we have to continue to do that. We've got some tight ends we got to utilize. We've got three or four wideouts that are really good players, and we think we've got some really good young backs that are going to help us. So some of the stuff that that uh, Kirby says there at the end of that clip, I want to come back to. Maybe a little bit later on. But the word that Smart used at the beginning of that clip is, we want to be explosive. And he says in 2021, we were. Well, we know that in 2022, that's what Georgia was there as well. And I believe when you look at that one word, explosive, the idea of explosive plays, this to me is the fair way to judge Mike Bowen. In addition to that, he also needs to score about 40 points per game because that's what uh, Todd Munkin has done. But in terms of the building blocks of how you get to that sort of, you know, around 38, 39, 40 point per game offense, the building block, you know, for how you get there, I believe, is via explosive plays. Because if you really want to define what made Todd Munkin successful at Georgia, it was the way in which more and more explosive plays got produced while he was here. This is the thing that sort of made Munkin Munkin. And this is the thing that I believe, whether Georgia fans kind of articulate it this way or not, this is sort of the thing that made Georgia fans kind of fall in love with Todd Munkin because of how many more of these kinds of explosive plays they were seeing while he was here. Can I give you a couple of numbers to back this up here for a moment? That if you look at the last year before Todd Munkin came to Georgia, 2019, this was a year in which, I don't mind telling you, the offense didn't work. Georgia was 70th in the country when it comes to offensive plays of 20 or more yards, which for the sake of this conversation, that's what we're going to define as an explosive play. You can define them different ways, but for the sake of this conversation right now, we're going to define explosive plays as an offensive play of 20 or more yards. And in 2019, Georgia was 70th in the country with only 58 plays of 20 or more yards. In Todd Munkin's first year, now keep this in mind, what makes this even more amazing than it seems is is that in 2020, Todd Munkin's first year, Georgia also played a tougher schedule that year because there were no cupcake out-of-conference games to pad your stats against, and Georgia's bowl game was uh, against Cincinnati. So you had the all-SEC schedule because of the pandemic, bowl game against a top-10-ranked Cincinnati team, very good defensively. Yet in Munkin's first year, Georgia went from having been 70th in the country in plays of 20 or more yards in 2019 to 30th in the country in plays of 20 or more yards in 2020 with 53. Now, keep in mind, they played far fewer games in 2020 than they did in 2019, but Munkin almost produced the same number of plays of 20 or more yards, even though George was playing far fewer games. That's amazing to me. Now, in 2021, it got even better, and this is part of the reason why Georgia won the national championship. In 2021, Georgia actually cracked the top 10. Georgia was seventh in the country in plays of 20 or more yards with a total of 80 on the season. But wait, there's more. This past season, and this is why y'all love Todd Munkin, and you're right to feel this way, this past season, Georgia was number one. Nobody in the country had more plays from scrimmage of 20 or more yards than Georgia did. They had a total of 98. So over the course of Munkin's tenure at Georgia, they essentially doubled the number of plays in a season of 20 or more yards, that is what made Todd Monken an outstanding offensive coordinator. That, to me, is kind of the distillation of all of it. And this is the thing I think we all should agree on the Mike Bobo debate ought to matter here as well. That if Georgia's producing sort of 20-plus yard explosive-type plays at a, at a rate similar to what Todd Monken was over the course of his time there at Georgia, 
Georgia's going to score plenty of points, and they're going to contribute. That's going to contribute to plenty of wins. So can we all agree on this here for a moment? If you're a Bobo skeptic, if you're a Bobo skeptic, hear me say what you probably want somebody to say. Yes, his performance at Georgia ought to be evaluated. That it's one thing to sort of trust Kirby Smart on the front end of all this. Hey, Kirby's a great coach. Kirby gets to make the hire he wants to make. It's one thing to sort of trust Kirby on the front end of all of this. But what is it Ronald Reagan once said? Trust but verify. It's also important on the other side of this to now verify. I trust Kirby. He wants Mike Bubba to be the offensive coordinator. He gets to make the hire he wants to make. But on the other side of that, we're going to verify. We're going to see how the Bobo performance goes, and we're going to judge it. And to me, the fair way to judge it is with that stat that I just gave you. Those sort of explosive plays, however you define them, we're defining them now as plays of 20 or more yards. How many of those can Bobo get? If it's somewhere in that sort of 80-ish, 90-ish range, then at that point in time, you've got an offense that's pretty similar to what uh, to, to what Todd Munkin had here over the course of the last couple of years. And Georgia's performance on the field should be pretty similar there as well. With an offense that gives you a chance to be right back in that conversation for where every dog fan wants to be in pursuit of a third straight national championship. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're glad to be with you today. Presented by Meriwether and Tharp and live on video 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, on App and Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and we are available as a podcast wherever you can find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com. We are just really, really happy to have you a part of what we're doing here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp who make it all possible there as well. And listen, I love recommending Meriwether and Tharp because here's what I know. For the folks in our audience, sometimes you got happy things going on in your life and it's about celebrating and having a good time. And sometimes you've got personal challenges. And that's one of those things that is just real that that you know oftentimes you know we talk about this a lot sort of the twin pillars of life that that there's good things and there's not so good things and sometimes kind of dealing with that sort of not so good thing is is just one of those things that you have to confront and if i can do anything to make that journey for you a little bit easier obviously i'd want to do it now if i could wave a magic wand and make it all go away well of course i'd do that but we all know i can't do that you can't do that you've tried everything you can to make it disappear and that challenging situation for you just not going away and for those of you who've been with us for a long time you know what i'm talking about here the idea that you might be dealing with a divorce situation and if you can save your marriage i really believe you should i, I, I do truly believe that but if you're listening closer to what i'm saying right now you may have come to the realization that hey, I've tried to save it, but it's just not going to happen. So what's next? Well, I'm not exactly sure what's next for you, but I do think a free initial consultation with one of our uh, attorney's friends over at Meriwether and Tharp can help you get clarity on what might be next for you because the law is this like ponderous, complicated thing. But understanding the law and understanding how the law can be leveraged for your benefit when it comes to the issues in your life that might matter most, your relationships, including those with your children, your finances, and the way in which you take care of your children going forward, all of those things can be better understood by having one of these initial consultations with a Meriwether and Tharp attorney. I know people who have gone through this. I know people who have used Meriwether and Tharp to kind of walk with them as their advocate through this, and they are glad they did 
that. They may not be happy they got divorced, but they are glad they had Meriwether and Tharp to help them go through their divorce. And y'all, that is a very valuable service. So I have a hearty, hearty recommendation for Meriwether and Tharp on this show for anyone who might be considering dealing with a divorce situation. In fact, I want you to invite the, I want to invite you to check them out online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Here is how you know that Meriwether and Tharp does right by people. Because of all of the free resources they give away on their website before you even make the decision to hire Mary Weather and Tharp as your divorce attorney. You can engage with blog posts and podcasts and all kinds of things that sort of educate you about the process prior to making that decision to hire Mary Weather and Tharp as your divorce attorney. You can check all of that out online. Once again, Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's theatlantadivorceteam.com. All right, so coming up in a moment, we're going to hear from Terrence Edwards here on this show. And uh, Terrence is going to have, I believe, some very interesting things to say about the Mike Bobo hire. This is obviously a topic that's very interesting to Terrence, and Terrence knows Bobo well, having uh, been a part of a Georgia team that Bobo was on the coaching staff for. So I'm very curious to hear what Terrence Edwards has to say about all of this coming up in a moment. Let me do one kind of housekeeping thing here very, very quick. And then I want to roll on and talk more about this topic myself. So we've obviously had kind of a weird week. I was gone Monday because that was the day I learned that my grandmother passed away. I was gone yesterday because that was the funeral. And for a long time now, many of you are kind of aware of this. We've had some vacation planned. So Today is actually the li- the last live show we're going to do this week. Tomorrow is a outstanding pre-recorded show. Y'all, we have worked so hard. And listen, I've had such a great team of people helping me out with this. Obviously, uh, Michael Carvel, our regular producer, Kaylee Manzel, who's been with us now. She's helped out in a big way on this. The entire Dog Nation team, Mike Griffith, Jeff Sintel, Connor Riley, they've kind of helped us uh, come together and produce some really good content. We try our just our absolute best to create good shows to air while I can't be here. And hopefully you'll uh, listen in, tune in, and sort of feel that way yourself. You know what? Hey, we we got the full effort here, even though this was a pre-recorded show. I am really, really grateful that the Mike Bobo news came out prior to me leaving because now the shows will obviously sound less dated because that big thing we're waiting on has now happened. So, you know, that's kind of all going on there. So the point is, is that we're going to have shows for you over the course of the next few days. But starting tomorrow and then for the week that follows, they will be pre-recorded. Then I'll be back with you on the following Monday, obviously getting ready to go and uh, all systems pointed towards spring practice there after that. So that's kind of what's on the uh, forefront here. And we appreciate your patience as we slip away and enjoy a little bit of vacation time over the course of the next few days. All right, that's it. Let me go around the doghouse here for just a moment. Now, I started the show by saying, I feel like I'm pretty good at understanding the point of view sometimes of other people. And while I don't agree with the anti-Mike Bobo faction, I sort of understand where they're coming from a little bit. And I, t- and I told you that if you're a Georgia fan who loved the idea of Todd Munkin's arrival, it's kind of the outside voice. This is the outs. Yeah, this is what it- for those of you that follow politics, like this is the outside candidate. You know, this is not the establishment candidate. You know, Todd Munkin sort of arrived at Georgia as a little bit of the outsider candidate. He's not a part of the establishment. He's not he's not he's not in the uh, what well, wasn't in the insiders club. Kind of brought a little saltiness with him, kind of stirred the pot a little bit, maybe. And I think for a lot of Georgia fans, they sort of felt like that was kind of a good thing. And if Mike Bobo sort of feels like a little bit more establishment than that, or maybe in some cases a lot more establishment than that. I sort of understand why that's not everybody's cup of tea. I really, truly do. I don't agree with you. And I think that some of you are kind of irrational, but I still sort of understand where you're coming from. And I understand where you're coming from so much that, you know, Aaron Murray goes on social media. He touts Mike Bobo. 
that doesn't mean anything to you because Mo, uh, Murray and Bobo are like guys, like like you know, like Bobo was his coach. Well, of course, you know, if you're a guy like Murray and you succeeded under Bobo, of course you think he's a good coach, and of course you'd want to vouch for him. You know, to some of you, all that is, even though you may like Murray and maybe to some degree even like Bobo, to some of you, all that sort of feels like is one member of the club protecting some other member of the club. I kind of get that. DJ Shockley, listen. I don't know anybody that doesn't love DJ Shockley. Not like love. I don't know anybody who doesn't love DJ Shockley. But when Shockley steps up and touts Mike Bobo, as he has recently, there is also, I think for some of you, this thought of, well, DJ's in the club. Mike Bobo is in the club. This is just guys in the club sort of sticking up for each other. I sort of get the idea that if you were in love with the outsider candidate, Mike, uh, I should say Todd Munkin, then you know guys in the club sort of vouching for one of their own, that doesn't necessarily resonate with you all that well. So, let me kind of give you something slightly different here for a moment. Let's hear from a player that didn't play for Mike Bobo because Mike Bobo left Georgia at the 2014 season. Jake Fromm came to Georgia at the start of the 2017 season. So Jake Fromm, you would be left to believe, is a little bit more of an objective voice on this maybe than some of the players that 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 maybe played for Mike Bobo. Now, I actually even enjoyed hearing from Aaron Murray this week and DJ Shockley this week. I saw a great tweet from Keith Marshall uh, earlier this week where Marshall was uh, getting all over the anti-Bobo folks. Um, I enjoy hearing from those voices. But if you're anti-Bobo because you think Bobo is just a little too inside the club, then guys who are also sort of inside the club vouching for Bobo, that doesn't mean as much to you. I do get where you're coming from, even if I don't agree with you. But Jake Fromm and and, uh, and Mike Bobo are not in the same club. Jake Fromm came to Georgia after Bobo had already gone. Now, put yourself back in the position of like whatever sport you may have played. I'm talking about like high school level or whatever else. It doesn't have to be college level. Anything that happened before you got there seemed old, right? You know, it's and I don't care if a guy was like three years before you or a coach was like a few years before you. Whatever happened before you got there just sort of seemed like ancient history. So Jake Fromm, I think, could be forgiven if he sort of viewed Mike Bobo as ancient history, viewed Mike Bobo as some kind of bygone era that was maybe less successful than Fromm's era was because Fromm played for national championship, won an SEC, uh, went to a Rose Bowl, won that game. Fromm, you would be left to believe, does not necessarily have as automatic a tie-in to uh, Mike Bobo. They are not in the same club because they were at Georgia at different times. And yet on our show on Tuesday late, that's right when we found out that the Todd Munkin news happened. It was prior to the Mike Bobo news becoming official, but we had reason to believe it was maybe heading that way. And Jake Fromm spoke up openly to begin with about his belief that Mike Bobo would probably be the right guy for the job. This is what Jake said Tuesday. I mean, in my opinion, he, he would be my front runner to get it. I mean, he's got plenty of experience. He's been the offensive coordinator here before in the past, had a lot of success. He's a proven play caller, and that's something that really can't be taken for granted as a proven play caller in this day and time across football. So he'd be the guy at the, the top of my head right now. The word that Jake uses there is really, really valuable. Proven play caller. Y'all, this is not a time for on-the-job training. It's not. It's not. At this level, this is not a time to – Yeah, I don't care how easy the schedule seems to be on paper. This is a Georgia team that's won the last two national championships. They're going to be preseason number one. They are going to obviously be the favorite to win the championship again this year. Whether they do or not, we'll find out. But they're going to be favored to do that. This is not a time for on-the-job training. 
And Jake Fromm says, Mike Bobo brings the experience to the position that Georgia needs. And then he went on to also kind of talk about it a little bit as, as a quarterback, as a guy who studies offense, what he has seen from Mike Bobo offenses. And once again, from Jake Fromm, I think this is very interesting. Coach Bobo, he's definitely utilized his tight ends in his past. Knows how to use tight ends. Uh, he's great to play action, scheme, and passing game. And I, I think, you know, him going off, being a head coach, learning from those experiences, being a, a quarterback coach under Todd Munkin, um, being able to kind of use some of that, that scheme that, that Coach Munkin was using, um, and, and then you know, being a, a play caller before. Um, and then, I mean, Coach Bob, he also he loves Georgia, too. I mean, his, his family grew up in the state of Georgia. They love Georgia, so those going to want to do is be his best uh, for the university here. So here's my hope. And as I said before, there's a very good chance that everything I'm trying today is going to fail. But here's my hope. I hope a statement like that from Jake Fromm can bring in the entirety of Dog Nation together. A guy like Jake Fromm, who is not necessarily a a guy that's obviously connected to Bobo. They just sort of share a common love for UGA, different eras. They both love Georgia, but it's not like Fromm played for Bobo or, or, or anything in, in a situation like that. But Jake says, hey, this is a guy who I've seen utilize tight ends. That's an important thing to do at a place like Georgia, and not every offensive coordinator is capable of doing it. It's one of the things that Alabama supposedly kind of sought out with Tommy Reese, the ability to kind of use a tight end because not every offensive coordinator apparently can do that jake says bobo can that's obviously important to georgia because the kinds of tight ends this program has also that love for uga a chance to have been around todd monk and maybe absorbing some of the things that Munkin does maybe utilizing some of the same tactics on the field that uh, todd Munkin has utilized to the tune of 98 explosive plays a year ago plays of 20 or more yards the the argument in favor of bobo by Fromm really works on me now i also kind of already am uh, more pro Bobo than a lot of you are but if you're more anti Bobo can you hear that can you listen to that can you treat that as a slightly more objective voice because listen it's not like Jake on this show is always towing the company line he told you last week uh, that he sort of thought that Georgia needed to figure out who its offensive corner was going to be that if you're a quarterback you want to know that so it's not like you know Jake is always just necessarily towing the company line right down the right down the uh, the line there but in his particular case it seems like he thinks Mike Bobo is a pretty good hire, and obviously the results will speak for themselves. We'll be judging them closely, but uh, hopefully today, maybe a little bit of common ground from the various warring factions among UGA fans. Either way, it's good to have you here on our program today and on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Thought. We want to keep this conversation going because another guy who does know Mike very well, who who obviously knows the need to create and continue to produce the explosive offense for which George has been famous for the last couple of years, is our great friend Terrence Edwards. Let's keep this conversation going with him here right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. little late getting to Terrence Edwards, and I certainly apologize for that. Terrence always so good to join us, and we want to be respectful of his time. And obviously, we had a lot to talk about here today. Terrence, before we get into like the hot topic, the Mike Bobo stuff, I want to go back in time a little bit because, man, I had a chance to be with you on Friday night. And I got to tell you, this is one of the most inspiring evenings I've had in a while. Night to Shine is an event that's been going on now for a couple of years you know we don't love florida gators but we do think that tim tebow does a great thing here this is a, this is an organization and an event that he started it's a uh, prom nights taking place at various locations all across the country including a handful here in the atlanta area there as well we were over in dunwoody for a, a, a great event this past friday and what it is it's basically like a prom night for special needs uh kids and 
there's the limousine ride there's the 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 dress up the, 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 the there's the dancing there, there's all the stuff that you kind of want from a prime experience in this special environment for uh, some of these folks and i just thought it was an amazing evening i'm going to talk more about this dognation.com when i get a chance obviously i've been away from work here for a, a couple of days but uh, just an amazing evening uh and one of the things i love so much was we're going to show this uh, photo here in a moment you know i, I guess john stench i'm going to help spearhead a lot of this kind of stuff but you had john there his brother matt was there you had uh, george foster who was there you had charles grant who was there so much fun hanging out with those guys you were there uh, moose smith the great former georgia running back was on hand and terrence seeing all of you guys in that element really showing a lot of love to these kids and their families man this was an amazing night what did it mean to you personally I'm going to tell you how much it meant to me that I was there 24 hours early. You don't know it's B.A., but I actually went Thursday night thinking the event was Thursday. <laughs> and I called John. I'm like, John, where's everybody at? He's like, Terrence, it's tomorrow Friday. So I was so ready for the event that I went 24 hours early for the event. But I had a awesome time. Um, I, I said this on my social media. I think. The, the players had more fun than the kids did because, man, it was a special night, just special to get to see those kids smile and have a good time. And they brought joy to me, um, even probably more than I brought joy to them. I think I maybe failed to give credit to our buddy David Green, our good friend who was also there as well. Dave is right there in the middle of all that too. So uh, it's great to see. It was a fun night. I'm going to you know tell more of that story at dognation.com. But uh, I'll brag on Terrence and these other guys for a moment. Y'all, you would have been so proud of the way in which they were escorting the folks. Because you make kind of a, a long line to kind of – it's almost like a you got cheering on both sides, just really celebrating and making everybody feel loved and valued who was there. And I got to tell you, Terrence and all these uh, former Georgia players, they were right in the middle of all of that. It was so much fun to see. Some of these guys I knew really well. You know, guys like Charles Grant George Foster I did not know nearly as well. I had a chance to hang out with them, get to know them a little bit. Moose Smith there too. It was just – it's just such a moving evening. It was, uh, it was really, really good. Really, really special. We always love it around here when these great players, whether they be current Georgia players, former Georgia players, when they use their platform or something like that, we're always really proud. And that's exactly what those guys did going back to this past Friday. All right, so Terrence, with that said, let's get to the hot topic here at hand. Since you and I last spoke, there's been a lot of change here at Georgia. We find out that Todd Munkin is leaving. He is going on to the NFL. I'll talk to you more about that part in a moment. But we also find out that his replacement, as a lot of folks would have expected it would be, is now Mike Bobo. You know Coach Bobo very well. What are your thoughts on this hire? Well, I'm very excited about the hire. Um, one thing that I've learned, just listen to the show, uh, social media, doesn't matter what I say, doesn't matter what Jake Fromm or DJ or, or any of the guys say, people already have formed their opinion on Mike because of his past. But I can say this, if, if he's a predictable run-first guy, Aaron Murray wouldn't have 13,000 yards passing. He wouldn't have 121 passing touchdowns in his team. So he's doing something right to lead to lead an offense in the way that he, he has done. And I can say this, uh, you know, as an offensive coach, we all mature and learn from others. That's what coaches are. We grow once we're around other great coaches. And he has, he has had the opportunity to be around Coach Munkin for this year and a half. And I can say this, I'm pretty sure and I'm pretty positive, the terminology will stay the same. I don't think there's a coach, I don't think Kirby wanted to change that 
the whole program has to learn new terminology. So he's just going to evet, uh, have Bobo come in. Bobo's probably going to put his own twists and turns to the offense, to what he sees in his vision. But the terminology, the run game, everything will stay the same. And I'm excited for, for Bobo. I, I'm excited. And I said this last time. Bobo, as a play caller, did not have this talent on the defensive side of the ball. And once, as a play caller, you have this type of talent, you don't have to press and and have to call the perfect play. You can let the game flow knowing that your defense has your back. So I'm just excited. Uh, I text Coach Bobo. I text Coach Munkin. So both of them return my text, and I have much respect for both of those guys. Well, that's great to hear. I want to go through a couple of things here on this. First of all, you know, going back to your time at Georgia, this has been early days for Bobo as a coach prior to becoming offensive coordinator, but you're playing wide receiver. I guess he's more working with quarterbacks. How much interaction did you have with him when he was a young coach and you were in the middle of your, or, you know, you know, nearing the end of your Georgia career? Well, I'm a little different because I've known Bobo since him and Robert were right, seniors right, together. Right. Uh, Mike Bobo is, is my nephew's godfather, so I've had the you know pleasure of knowing Bobo for a long time. And so our, relation, our relationship when I was a player, he's the quarterback coach, was a little different. Uh, so I, I've interacted with him a lot throughout my playing days. And he was the quarterback coach. So Coach John Easton was the receiver coach at the time. And, uh, you know, he's a young guy, uh, eager, and just knows, fo- knows football. And that's one thing about that. He loves Georgia, and he loves, he loves football. So I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm anxious to see. You know, his wrinkles he's going to put up, but the terminology, the play calls, everything's going to stay the same. So everyone now, and it's big. Think about this, though, Biff. We brought in another offensive coordinator while breaking in new quarterbacks. I don't think that would have been the best right now. You bringing in a coach that's already on staff, and these guys do not have to learn a new offense, new signals, new verbiage. That is going to go big with the players that we are, what we have right now. Yeah, I, th- I think that's interesting. I mean, how do, to kind of follow up on that point, how do you think the uh, presence of Bobo here changes the quarterback competition? Because obviously, while there might be a little bit different, there's certainly a different pair of eyes evaluating these quarterbacks. There is some continuity here from the fact that Bobo's been here and the fact that we know that, that, that Bobo and Kirby are have a close working relationship with each other because they have a close relationship already. So, you know, how does this change for better, for worse, whatever, this quarterback competition that's about to, uh, you know, to be undergone here to, uh, to, uh, to replace Stetson Bennett as the starter? Right. So I think Bobo is going to have his own sets of eyes and what he thinks the quarterback position should be. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I think Kirby is going to ultimately be the decision maker. He's going to take in all the information. Um, I, I, I believe he will allow the coaches to have their input and in what the coaches. But in a day, I think the Bucks still stop with Kirby and whoever Kirby feels is playing the best from the data that the coaches present to him. That would be the quarterback that we like. I think Carson is going to get the first shot to be our starter, but I think it's still going to be an open competition. And I, I don't think they will name a quarterback. We probably won't know who's going to start until they announce it the first game um, because I think all all the quarterbacks will get a fair shot to be named the starter. So let's talk about the Todd Munkin part of this here for a moment. I mean, I think the one thing that you just have to conclude from this, and you know, this is one of those things that if you're, I think, a Georgia fan or a college ball fan, you're going to have to kind of make peace with a little bit is, is that – 
Todd Munkin seemed very intent about returning to the NFL. Interviewing with the Tampa Bay Bucks, I think you and I would say right now that didn't look like such a great situation. The Baltimore Ravens, kind of a sort of a murky situation there. At least we know that John Harbaugh is kind of an entrenched head coach because he's won a Super Bowl. You'd assume that he's got a little bit more of rope there at Baltimore, but you don't really know about Lamar Jackson's future. And yet, nonetheless, uh, Todd Munkin leaping at the chance to go there. Terrence, I think the only thing you conclude is, hey, you're lucky you got three years out of this guy because pretty obviously, you know, he all he only viewed the best that I can tell college football as a stopover to kind of get back to the NFL, which is where he really wanted to be. And when you have this kind of conversation, I think that's got to be a part of this is is that Munkin just really, really likes the NFL and likes some of the stuff that that makes that league different than what college football is all about right now. I think so. Um, I, mean, I sent him a text and just thanking him for what he did for our university in these three three years and helping us, you know, get back to where we all want our university to be, and that's national champs. Um, but I think it's, it's evident and documented that the recruiting part of it is not his favorite. From you know what I've heard, um, you don't have to do that in NFL. You don't you don't have to go out and and woo kids and their parents and, and be a used car salesman in a sense to get these kids to come to your, your school. So I, I think that part is something that he didn't enjoy, um, and you don't have to do that in the NFL. So I think that's probably the the difference in, in the two leagues is you don't have to recruit in the NFL. You draft the players you want. In college, you have to go get them, and you have to convince them that you are the place they need to be, and those are things that – from what I've been told, that uh, not his forte. You know, I think you may be right about that. And it also kind of, I guess, leads me to say that, okay, so for the people who are talking about potential replacements for him when he left, you know, prior to the Bobo announcement, we'll go out and get the next big name from the NFL. And, you know, Terrence, here's the thing that I think you have to kind of conclude from some of this is that there are also a lot of other people who feel the same way that Todd Munkin does for some of the same reasons you just mentioned. You know, people talk about Joe Brady. You know, Brady, former passing game coordinator with LSU in 2019, goes to the NFL, you know, fails as head coach with the Carolina Panthers. Now he's quarterback's coach with the Bills. Um, you know, that's a guy that still has a big-time reputation in college, whereas maybe not quite so much so in the NFL. But you don't get any impression he has any desire to return to the college game whatsoever. Cliff Kingsbury kind of the same way of, you know, Kingsbury sort of thought to be this sort of, you know, potential savior in waiting for the Alabama offense. I, I don't get the impression that the Kingsbury was even returning their calls. If those calls were extended, I don't get the impression that Kingsbury was returning them. There are just a lot of coaches right now that look at what's going on in college football, the 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 challenge of being on call 365 days out of the year, the pressure that comes from, you know, crazy fans like, you know, me and others who, you know, put such a big spotlight on all these guys. There are a lot of people who say, man, everything about the NFL is better than this because this is just a really, really hard job. And if you want to make a list of, oh, the guys from the NFL that you can go out and hire, I don't think they want much of a part of this right now. Let's not forget that Munkin was available because his coaching staff got ran out of Cleveland. Otherwise, he would have probably just stayed in that league to begin with. Right, right. And for, for Cliff, uh, Kingsbury is a, a good friend of mine. And I don't know if he would come back. For one reason, he has a a contract that needs to be paid by the Arizona Cardinals, and I don't know how that works if he takes a job that, that he doesn't get that money. Um, and he just signed an extension with Arizona Cardinals like last year, so he, he has a lot of money coming his way, um, and he don't have to do anything but sit there and collect this money. Um, so Joe Brady, I've known Joe Brady, um, and people call his name, and 
I saw we saw the one year with that exceptional talent that he had, and I was you know going back and forth with people on, on Twitter one time like, besides that LSU year, what else have Joe Brady done? And that's nothing no shot at him or I like him. He he went to the NFL as well, and no one has really, from what I've heard, really called barking on his door. I think he's a good offense coordinator, but what have he proved? And I was listening to the show earlier, and one thing that that Jake Fromm said is an experienced play caller. And but to, the two differences in the league is you don't have to recruit and have to be on the road so much. In the NFL, you don't. I think that's exactly right. Let me squeeze in one thing here very quick before we let you go. As a coach yourself, if you're Mike Bobo, how much of this do you think ends up being, hey, we're going to just sort of take what Todd Munkin used and what worked for him and we're going to try to sort of replicate that now with a new coach? And then how much of that is, hey, I want to make sure I put my own stamp on this, my own wrinkles on this, that I want to make sure I'm comfortable calling the kinds of plays that I've been comfortable calling in the past. In other words, how much of this is just sort of taking the Munkin playbook and turning the next page and going right on with it, and how much of this is really introducing some new ideas because Bobo is a different person? I think the terminology and the play calls, the run game play calls, the all everything will stay the same. I just think Bobo now, he's going to call the plays in his vision, but the terminology of the play, just think about, like, there's not a lot of concepts out there that that are just magical. Everybody runs the same concepts. Everybody runs, but they're running in a different way. you got to understand when to call, what hash to call them on, what defense to call it against, what down. Like, there's a lot of things to go into play calling. And it's just not, I'm going to pick a play and let's call this play and hope it works. No, it, it goes deeper than that. There's numbers and tendencies that we all look out through the week, and he's going to call it based on the prep work throughout the week and their film study. But I think the the terminology of the plays is going to stay the same. So everyone don't have to learn a new playbook, but he's going to put his spin on it and call it the way he feels comfortable in calling it. Terrence, this is such a great conversation. We really appreciate your insight into all of this. Thank you so much. And obviously, speaking of coaching, you're doing a great job coaching guys right now with that Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, working on catching the football, getting better this time of year. We're still a little bit ahead of the start of uh, spring practice high school football. And obviously, guys want to be in position to move up those depth charts when all that begins and gets going. So, Terrence, how can they get in touch with you or the families of those players get in touch with you to get some of that special personalized instruction that you provide? You can reach me at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. And if there's anyone in the Grange Troop area, okay, I will be exploring going to that area as well. Wow. So if there's anyone in the Grange Troop area, I've been contacted to come do some training sessions down there, and maybe I will this weekend, but I will be in the future. So if there's anyone in the LaGrange, Troop County area, you can con- contact me on all my social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. I mean, you know, listen, Terrence is, I mean, you talk about, you know, moving up in the world. Terrence is like the McDonald's of personal coaching. He's got franchises. <laughs> He's got franchises opened up all across the state of Georgia. Uh, Terrence, it is uh, great to be able to hear. I, I'm, I'm uh, happy to know that that's, uh, <laughs> that's the uh, situation there. And, of course, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, pretty soon you'll see a TE Wide Receiver Academy, Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, 
kind of all across the estate there. Maybe we can kind of get on that. Maybe I can be like, what do, you, what do you call it? Are you the master franchiser when you kind of like control like a region? Maybe that's what I'll be. Maybe I'll be the master franchiser for uh, some of that kind of stuff. Uh, not a bad, not a bad thing there. That's uh, that's good to know for our good friend Terrence Edwards. Now, as we get ready to go cruiser on the SEC, I am happy to say that. Listen, when it comes to our sponsors around here, I try to put my money where my mouth is. I do not recommend a service that I don't use, wouldn't use, whatever else. And that is especially true for our friends at Royal Caribbean. So my family, we are getting ready to be on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship coming up this weekend. And man, oh man, am I excited about that. And I listen, I don't say that to brag because obviously I'm very likely to be able to take vacation. And many of you are kind of hoping to kind of get some time away from work and do all that kind of stuff there as well uh i just i i just am very thankful for this opportunity and i do honestly genuinely hope you get a chance to in, enjoy this yourself and i realize that when it comes to a vacation experience how precious your time is and your money is you don't want to make the wrong decision when it comes to i mean you know vacation costs kind of go up from time to time or 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 when you you know finally get a chance to be away from work you want to make that the most enjoyable experience possible especially if you got kids you want to have that you know close connection with them and really make the most of the opportunity and i do truly authentically believe that a royal caribbean cruise vacation is a great way for you to do all of that because it's sort of got something for everybody and that's you know as we kind of build towards this for ourselves you know you got the the specialty restaurants you got the main dining room you got the great food and we talk a lot about the food <laughs> we talk a lot about the food around my house about what we're going to be eating what we're going to be enjoying but it's also the entertainment options whether it be the water slides up there in the pool deck or like the the shows at night you know the aqua theater we have the, the high diving show or like the uh, studio b where you have the ice skating show my daughter's so excited about that kind of stuff and um the, the ports that you visit it's just a wonderful wonderful experience with kind of a one-stop shop for everything you could ever imagine you know live music great broadway style shows uh wonderful restaurants and food obviously the bars and lounges for the parents to enjoy just so much going on so the travel agent who helped us book our royal caribbean cruise is a uh, fantastic friend of mine named jessica slater i want you to give her a call 770-718-9147 770-718-9147 she can walk you through all of the options you have right now when it comes to royal caribbean including the video you see on your screen of icon of the seas debuting january 2024 that's an exciting thing to think about there as well and you can also check out the website that jessica's put together royaldogs.com that is royaldogs.com and find out more about the Dog Nation cruise we have coming up. I know a lot of y'all getting really excited about that. There was a great meeting earlier this week where folks kind of having that chat about what's going to be like on board Independence of the Seas. And just know this, as excited as I am about my cruise right now, I'm also looking forward to being with all of you as a part of that coming up this April there as well. So that said, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean right now. And I saw this the other day where Pro Football Focus, uh, based on its grading system, has graded the top 10 returning linebackers for the upcoming year obviously a georgia guy on this list at some point in time we're talking about a georgia guy not on the list but i'm going to save that for another time let me show you this here for a minute though from pro football focus top 10 linebackers in college football for the upcoming season you see jeremiah trotter number one on that list javon dumas johnson number four seems a little low for him but but whatever uh we'll, we'll let that go here for right now but the other name on this list is harold perkins from lsu coming in at number two uh ahead of uh, tommy eichenberg from ohio state and just behind trotter who we mentioned a moment ago now listen is there a chance that javon dumas johnson is better than harold perkins maybe so maybe not i, I don't know we'll, we'll, we'll see about all of that i obviously think georgia fans are very happy with their guy javon dumas johnson so let's just say that for right now that pretty clearly when it comes to the guy they call pop uh to have one of the best linebackers coming back for georgia this upcoming season is a very big deal now as i said before the fact that smile Monin's not on this list is a little bit weird 
but we'll get to that at, at, at some point in time. It's actually Perkins I want to talk about just for a moment because this is cruising around the SEC. And I think one of the things that I'm kind of starting to evolve on here a little bit is, is that LSU, I do think, has a chance to be a very good team again in 2023. Kind of taking that sort of year two next step when it comes to Brian Kelly, because the idea of the next step is a big issue facing a lot of SEC teams. Josh Heupel at Tennessee, even to a certain degree, uh, a guy like Shane Beamer at South Carolina, because they got some big wins at the end of last season. A lot of programs want to take that next step or the place that they have been. Can you finally sort of break out of that? You know, uh, a Lane Kevin and Ole Miss might be, you know, relevant in, in this conversation. You know, they've won games, they've gone to bowls, things like that. But can you actually be a contender? Can you actually do more than that? They want to take that next step there as well. Of all the sort of so-called potential next step teams in the SEC, I do think that LSU is in the best position of all of them. And it's not just because they won the division a year ago. If anything, that makes the next step for them even more challenging to take. The next step is like legitimate playoff contender status. But I think that LSU, when you think about Perkins on defense, when you think about what they might be able to do with kind of a pair of interesting quarterbacks, and obviously the overall talent level in the program and what Brian Kelly brings as a coach, I think that LSU taking that next step is, is I would say, far and away more likely than some of the other teams that I mentioned, including Tennessee, even though Tennessee beat them this past year. I, I believe that I like the future of LSU in terms of actually being a playoff contender. I believe I like the future of LSU more than I like the immediate future for Tennessee. So if you say it this way, the other day we talked on the show about those ESPN playoff predictions where almost everybody had Georgia. A lot of folks had Alabama there as well. And, you know, we've been kind of knocking on the door. You know, it's been Georgia, Alabama, in terms of perennial playoff contenders in the SEC for quite some time. But we've been knocking on the door beyond that of kind of adding a third team into the playoff mix from the SEC. And eventually they're going to be, you know, 12 team playoff, you know, year after next. Uh, there's going to be a 12 team playoff, 2024, I mean, a 12 team playoff. So you may actually see three SEC teams in the playoff then. But for now, in this sort of four team age in which we've lived in, it's been Georgia and Alabama making the playoff a couple times together and certainly perennial, perennially competing for the playoff. But you've also seen, you know, in 2020, Florida thought it might be there for a little bit. Texas A&M actually in that same year thought it might be there for a little bit. You know, Tennessee thought it might be there uh, last year. And eventually they sort of fall by the wayside and sort of prove unworthy of all of that. But they've kind of pushed their way into that discussion. So I'll tell you that if you're going to rubber stamp Georgia, which you probably should, if you're going to rubber stamp Alabama, which whether you should or you shouldn't, media seems intent on doing it, and you're looking for Okay, who's that third SEC team that could compete for the playoffs? Tennessee fans have their hand in the air. They want it to be them. They say it is them. For me, it's more so LSU than Tennessee, even though Tennessee beat LSU head-to-head a year ago. By the way, speaking of Alabama, I saw this. I guess there's some reports out there that Alabama could be close to hiring Ken Wisenhunt. Uh, Wisenhunt, what, former head coach in Arizona, the Cardinals, is, is that the uh, case here? Um, uh, you know, played at Tech. So, you know, but guys got a long time tied to the NFL. Wisenhunt uh, could be hired as an analyst, kind of one of those quality control guys uh, there at Alabama. And I think this analyst role is obviously become very important. I would say that, you know, guys like Buster Faulkner and Mike Bobo and the various names that Georgia has had in kind of that support staff role have been a big part of Georgia's championship run the last couple of years. So we know that the analyst role is important. Now, we also know it can be overblown because if you go back and look at the team picture, I wish I had this to show you, the team picture for Florida last year when they had more analysts than players, I'm not really quite so sure having a million analysts 
is necessarily all that valuable, but having a handful of like really sharp guys probably really does matter to you. And a guy like Wizenhunt kind of brings some of that experience for Alabama. So we see this becoming an important role in college football. The best teams have good analysts. This is Alabama potentially hiring another good one. You would think that Wizenhunt has a chance to be a good a good one. And then beyond that, here's the other thing I think it's also true too. I think we see the notion of being the quality control guy, the analyst. I think we see that becoming a pretty attractive job for coaches who sort of had a taste of the other and they realize they don't want that anymore because, listen, most coaches love coaching. Most coaches love coaching as it is defined by being around other coaches and being around players. They love that part of it. There are a lot of coaches who get really, really tired, especially a lot of my friends are high school coaches. They get really, really tired of the grind of having to deal with all the stuff. We'll just call it stuff. All of the stuff that uh, high school coaches have to deal with. Eventually, they get tired of that part of it. They still like coaching. They like being around other coaches. They like being around players. They just like some of the stuff that exists around the periphery on all of that. And I would say at the college and pro level, there's probably some version of that, too, where, um, hey, if I can be around a team, I'll make less money, but it's still some money. Uh, Will Muschamp, I think, when he was in a uh, uh, analyst here at Georgia, he made about three hundred grand. That's not small change necessarily. Um, but but if I can be around a team, if I can be around other coaches without having to deal with kind of the, once again, stuff that you have to deal with when it comes to a lot of this kind of situation, then you see guys kind of like that right now. And so maybe an example of both those things being true there for a moment. Uh, finally, there is this um uh finally there finally there is this so um we talked the other day about um uh, Notre Dame and trying to hire offensive coordinator and you thought they might be going to take uh the Utah offensive coordinator there's a little bit of a buyout associated with that Notre Dame seemingly balked on paying for that that kind of got a little bit weird there for a minute uh, and so ultimately he ended up not coming. And it looks like Notre Dame, as a replacement for Tommy Reyes, who moves on to Alabama, it looks like Notre Dame is getting ready to maybe promote their tight ends coach. This guy used to play wide receiver in the SEC. His name is Gerard Parker, I believe I have that right. Gerard Parker, former uh, Kentucky wide receiver, tight ends coach there at Notre Dame, looking to get the promotion as a Notre Dame offensive coordinator quite possibly. We said this the other day, is that the divide between programs who are kind of willing to spend money and not seems to be growing here now i didn't say the chasm between those who have and don't have money because notre dame's got plenty of money but it sort of seems like they're not really really willing to spend it and you know it is a major blight on you when you have a coach like brian kelly who had been to a couple of playoffs at notre dame but during then during the season with the chance of being the playoff again just tuck you know tuck tail and ran left the program because by appearances it certainly seemed like he realized that his chance of winning a national championship was never going to come to fruition at a place like Notre Dame and part of that is obviously the access to talent although the Notre Dame recruits better than not but in some cases the willingness to kind of do what is required to compete at the highest level you know losing a guy like Tommy Reese to Alabama and replacing him with the tight ends coach I don't quite know I don't quite know that's a championship move there from the Fighting Irish uh, but nonetheless uh, an interesting decision if it indeed uh, does kind of play out that way uh, former SEC wide receiver may be getting a promotion there at Notre Dame. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Cribbon. Now, I want to show you something cool here. So, you've heard me talk about this before. The Jittery Joe's back-to-back national championship coffee can. Now, a lot of people, and I'm kind of the same way on this, we want to get our hands on as much 
national championship stuff as we can possibly get. And these sort of things like this look great. You sort of sit on your desk, on your shelf, or, you know, right here on the, uh, you know, let's see if we can get that thing right there on the, uh, uh, there you go. See, see if I can get that right there on the camera. We're not quite uh, lined up there on that, but uh, uh, but either way, um, the uh, the the national championship back to back jittery Joe's coffee can logo here is such a cool, amazing thing. In the back it says back to back national championships. It also gives you all the years which Georgia's won the national championship pass. Uh, really, really good stuff. Now the other cool thing about this is is that the um, the Jittery Joe's coffee can also comes with Jittery Joe's coffee on the inside. This is a double value here. The the tin itself is a collector's item, and I'm certainly you're gonna want to do that. See, we've got the, the big power G there on the front and the lid there, which looks really good. So the the tin itself is a collector's item, but inside you've got the the great tasting Jittery Joe's coffee. So many of you already in, in know this, enjoy this. This is like that that really special, unique blend of Arabica beans coming from Colombia, Nicaragua, and Guatemala, places that are famous for making great coffee. And of course, Jittery Joe's has had great coffee for a long time. And now they've got that great coffee ready for you inside this commemorative tin here uh, celebrating Georgia's back-to-back national championships. Now, as you might imagine, this is an incredibly limited edition item. This is not going to last very long. This national championship stuff always sells out so quick. The Jittery Joe's offer here going to sell out very quick there as well. So go to jitteryjoes.com to find out more about this. Jitteryjoes.com. This is a really cool thing. Great coffee inside a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh commemorative tin here jittery joe's actually partnered with uga on this so this is officially licensed limited edition celebrating that back-to-back national championships good stuff from jittery joe's i want you to check this out today it's jitteryjoes.com that's the website jitteryjoes.com and you can find out more about that all right so final golden shoe for us in the live version of things here uh, before we take a little bit of vacation time fun pre-recorded episodes coming up tomorrow and next week really excited about all of that and I, I told you before, I'm very behind on a lot of my social media interactions because of what's been going on. So, so many of you have sent nice condolences because of my grandmother. Uh, to begin the week, it was my birthday. I got some really nice birthday messages uh, then. I haven't had a chance to respond much on that either. I'm not trying to be rude or disrespectful. I just have been, you know, dealing with a lot of family stuff here as of late. But I did kind of go back through my Twitter timeline. I found this is, I don't know, this may only be funny to me, uh, but somebody uh, sent this to me here, and I want to show this to you as a golden shoe here today. And I always, of course, love the username. It's a got2and22validateddog on Twitter saying, Dog Nation Daily, I couldn't help but think of you on this one. And so Mr. Late Breaking News shared this. It's a picture of Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. They're all, you know, well-groomed and smiling. It says Texas and Oklahoma before joining the SEC. And then you see Hogan and Flair again down at the bottom, uh, bleeding, you know, uh, cut from the forehead. They're all bloody and battered. And then it says Texas and Oklahoma after one season in the SEC. Uh, That is truly very funny and really good stuff there by Mr. Late Breaking News, who put that out, and then Got2 and 22, who shared that with me. We'll give golden shoes all around on that. And by the way, lousy, stinking Gators, they know all about getting beat up and cut up playing against the Georgia Bulldogs in 254 days from right now. They're going to experience that again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We appreciate you being with us here today. And uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, I'm out the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, normally the time in which we take your comments. Today, I just wanted to express really quickly, as I mentioned on the show today, the my gratitude for your thoughts and condolences prayers for me because of what we dealt with with uh, my grandmother here the last couple of days i really really appreciate that i do truly do 
And I know we didn't have a normal show yesterday, but I hope you kind of followed what we did do on the podcast feed, which was we put up conversation that we did at the end of Tuesday on video right after the Todd Monk and Mike Bobo news broke. So it's not an episode of Dog Nation Daily, uh, but it is on the Dog Nation Daily podcast feed as just a way to um, kind of provide some content on Wednesday for what we miss with our regular episodes. So good stuff uh, here today. And don't forget, we're pre-recording episodes for the next you know, Friday and then next week because of my vacation. We just really, really appreciate you allowing me to be away, allowing me to do that. And then still being a part of the show there as well. So uh, appreciate all of that. And then we will look forward to uh, seeing you tomorrow for that. Big thanks to R.S. Andrews makes this possible. R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. And see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Thorpe. We'll talk to you then, everybody.